0: Welcome to the Reclaiming Reality Podcast. A podcast where three buddies look for some truth from a Christian perspective. My name is Ben. My name is Charles. My name is Nick. And today, we are going to talk about race and racism and all of that awkward stuff that just made you uncomfortable hearing a white dude say. So it's going to be a blast. Um, I'd like to start us out by going, hey guys, why the heck? Are, are three guys in their mid-twenties talking about racism on a brand new podcast right now. I think there's a couple things to add to this,
1: right? There is an ext- a very tense environment right now, especially over the last few months with the George Floyd protests, as, long- as well as several other things that have had happened in our country over the course of this last 100 to 300 years. And there's some stuff that is needs to be talked about that is not commonly discussed and if we could bring a little bit of light to that it will give us a better perspective on how we can interact better together
2: and i also think that one place where racism in general is um, addressed is in churches on sunday mornings which uh, a pastor of mine back home wrote is the most segregated day of the week Hmm. and we are going to be kind of coming at it from that angle a little bit too eventually um but i think it's important for us to understand how how our culture views race and how our churches view race Absolutely. since there's such a big impact on our culture and society at large
0: yeah i i love all that um i couldn't agree more and for anyone listening, we know that this is a new thing. No, we don't always talk about race issues, but we are going to talk about things that are going on in our world, and this is definitely one of them. We also have planned out nothing. Um, so just know this is a totally free-flowing sort of conversation. Uh, we are on Skype right now. We, we all went to college together, and that's how we know each other. We're spread all over America, so we can't even be in the same rooms. Uh, but we think that this is a conversation that, that needs to be had, um, and I think I think even the phrase, a conversation that needs to be had, gets said too often without actually having the conversation. Like, that's a, a lovely cop-out, right? Like, oh, great question. Someone should talk about that, but not me, but somebody. So we're going to just try to jump in and <laughs> see if we can tackle any of it. And as as we kind of were, were discussing what to have our first episode on, when we got onto the topic of race, we realized God, there isn't even an agreed upon definition of racism anymore. Charles, I I remember you said that you had some thoughts on that. Uh, Do you wanna kinda present maybe the, the two different views of racism that are out there right now? Right, so
1: there are a few different ways to look at it. My initial thought in the way that I've kind of traditionally been raised is that racism is any form of discrimination from one person to another person in accordance to their skin. As of late, I've actually been educated that there are several different types of prejudice that all fall into what racism really is. If you have a conversation with someone today, they're more likely to tell you that racism is based upon one group of people who are benefiting from the society at large, right? So in that case, I, as a black man, cannot be racist because I did not benefit from the society. Regardless... If I was to treat someone regard of their race differently, then that would be prejudiced. And now we have two different definitions of what racism really is.
0: Yeah, I think that's excellent, uh, Nick. I, I we we haven't talked about this at all yet. But um, do you do you see those differences? Have you heard anyone talk about those different definitions yet? And if if not, if so, like how does that rub off on you?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely uh, familiar with the concept of um, the aggressor. Uh, I think they call it um, critical theory is is the trending view going on right now, which has also been discussed uh, in churches and society. Um, and that has kind of the oppressor, the oppressed mentality to it. So I'm familiar with that aspect of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of... From what I've learned, critical theory, identity politics are really tied up in the same things and kind of come from the same places, which is interesting. Um, so, guys, what I, I think, like I said, we, we didn't plan to talk. We didn't exactly plan this, but I think we all did agree on our definition of racism that we'd like to use moving forward in this podcast. Um, and my, my assumption that we're moving forward with is our definition of racism is kind of the classical one. Racism is discriminating against someone, whether that's in thought or in action based off of the color of their skin. Am I right? Do you guys agree with that? Not exactly. Okay.
1: Particularly in the case of this last week, I was reading through a book by Richard Rothstein called The Color of the Law. And it goes really into depth about how... There's de facto segregation, right? Which is like, hey, you know, this is just the way it is, but it's not written into law. And there is de jure segregation, which is anything that is legally binding that holds one group of people down. And I was astonished by how many examples that Richard Rothstein was able to pull forth of de jure Hmm. segregation. And... If you look at it from that standpoint, and not only that, but the many other systematic forms of racism that have been integrated into our country, it's hard to say that everyone is equally racist, objectively speaking, All right. because I believe firmly that everyone can be equally prejudiced, but I don't think that there are, there are very much groups that have been held back And have not been afforded the opportunity to progress. So it's hard to say that they're equally as racist. You know, Uh, the point I really make with that is this is kind of quoting Jordan Peterson, right? Was when you make an argument, you must speak precisely. And when we have discussions amongst ourselves, I may completely understand what you're saying when you say racist. But to someone outside of the three of us, it is easy to confuse what that actually means.
0: Absolutely, it is. I, I heard this actually, I think it was a, a book um, about relationships that I read a long time ago. And it was basically saying, when you say marriage, and the person you're with says marriage, you might be talking about completely different things. Just like if, if I say, let's go get tacos, I might be picturing hard shell beef with loaded with cheese. And Nick might be picturing soft shell vegan um. Oh, gosh, that's I I can't even say that. That's so gross. Wow. But (laughs) cauliflower. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, cauliflower, cauliflower, right? Uh, No, but I think I think you get what I'm saying. Like we're saying we're both saying taco, but what we're talking about is a very different thing. So that's why it's so, so important for us to define our terms. And like Charles, I didn't know we disagreed on that. No, this is great. And again, as this is our first podcast, something we have talked about is we love the fact that we all disagree on things. Because we learn from each other and we get better. Uh, Nick, I, Charles and I have been talking a bunch. What do you think about the definition of racism? What definition do you use? Um, slash, what do you think of Charles? I don't know, man. All you.
2: Honestly, I, I very much agree with the, the ideas that you guys have put forward already. Uh, I'm ready to get into some more discussion if you guys are. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Where, where do you want to go? Well, uh, I think... The one a good place to go uh, first would be to kind of take it from the angle of um, we are a diverse group of three people we have different viewpoints like Ben already said um, and one of the first places that we started this discussion on race in general um, Ben if you remember what you asked Charles when all of uh, when george floyd incident happened and some other things were starting to blow up socially uh, around our country was how do I help as a white male uh, what do I do to help And that's kind of where we started bouncing our ideas back and forth. So if we want to bring it back to uh, that discussion a little bit of as a white person, how do I help, um, this issue of racism that I see going on effectively?
0: Yeah. It's huge, huge topic, obviously. Um, one of the, okay, so I'm making a series. I don't think you guys have watched any of these yet. Um, again, for the listeners, we pre-record uh, ep- individual episodes that we release. I've been making a four-part series on identity. And, again, I think this is something where we have to define our terms more. Because if we're going to try to solve the problem what how I defined racism, it's different than the problem in Charles defined racism. Right? Because what you were saying is more things baked in the cake. What I was saying is more actions taken by people. Um, but w- when we, when we start asking questions like as a white man, as a black man, as a whatever man, it, it already makes me uncomfortable, man. Um, while, while we're on the book talk, I, I just finished uh, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, which um, is, is a book, I think, technically. And one of, the, one of the ideas she puts forward is collectivism versus individualism, right? Which is a longstanding debate. And, and the question is basically do you identify yourself based more on your individual identity or your group identity? So are you a white person or are you a person who is white? Are you a black person? Or are you a person who is black? Are you a trans person or a person who is trans? And I think that's, kind of where we have to go before I can even ask the questions like what do I do as a white man because like am I even labeling myself right in that equation because that automatically draws a distinction between Charles and I that says hey I am a white man what identifies me as a man is now the color of my skin right that's why I actually like the term person of color I, I think that's a much better term right because it is a person who is of color it's not a colored person right which is why is colored person racist to say it's, it's racist to say, because you're saying the color of their skin identifies that person as a person. Right. And it's also really important to note the collectivist notion is like the racist ideal. Obviously guys, we all hate racism. Right. And, and when in that conversation that Nick was talking about, one of the things I, I also said is like, I hate racism. Like how, like what do I do now? Right. Like what's right. the next step. Right. And I think, maybe step one nick is trying to stop looking at people as members of groups and start looking at them as individuals so like the the book white fragility went into this example where a mom was feeling guilty because she had taught her son to see her white son to see her white friends and her black friends equally and she was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Like, now I see that that was wrong. She should have seen her black friends as her black friends. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, uh-uh. No, 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 no. That does not seem right. Do I know that Nick is white and Charles is black? Yes, I know that. Not surprising. Am I going to treat them like black people and white people? How do you treat a black person versus a white person? So, I don't know, man. For me, <laughs> Charles, what do you about to say, bro? I swear, if you bring
1: me a bucket of chicken one day, we're gonna have some serious words.
0: Bro, I That's just turned beet fly. red. That's the thing. I oh, just turned ben red. Ben showed on up your today, behalf.
1: brought Charles a watermelon, and brought uh, <laughs> Nick some carrots. That's hey, not going I want you to know,
0: if you show up with a bucket of mac and cheese, I will say nothing but thank you. Goodness gracious!
1: Is it a side dish or is it a meal? I need to know right now.
0: Hopefully, both. It's like, what would you like? The mac and cheese. What would you like for your side? The mac and cheese. Oh. Well, that, that is how white people roll.
1: Ah, <laughs> and potato salad. You can't forget the potato oh, salad. Come and potato on. salad. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. All right. You don't eat everybody's potato salad. <laughs> do y'all put raisins in that? Like, if you do, we need to have a serious conversation. Who puts
0: raisins in potato salad?
1: I mean, you need to put paprika in it. But again, yeah, do. I don't eat everybody's potato salad. Um, I think (laughs) you hit a very interesting point there when it comes to identity, right? Now, in my experience, right, are you, am I a black man or am I a man who is black, right? Or even, you could even take that to another round. Am I a person who is a man or a man who is a person Hmm, even? Absolutely. The question really becomes in my mind based upon what you said, am I who I am because someone else has defined me that way or am I who I am because I've defined myself that way?
2: That's interesting. Hmm. Absolutely has, great question.
1: It has a very interesting you know, dynamic. I remember yeah. one time I was in a meeting with a general, actually, and an upperclassman. And we were discussing race issues back when we were in college. And they essentially brought up, like, hey, what?" essentially the same question. What can we do to make this environment more respectful for minorities. And my response immediately off the jump was, if you look at me and immediately think he's a black American, I think something technically has gone wrong. Hmm. Because if I'm willing to sign my dotted line to die for my country, I should be just as American as anybody else. The upperclassman jumped in with a counterpoint, which actually holds a lot of weight is, yes, you should be able to jump in and you should be considered an American equal to everyone else. Caveat, you should not be forced to give up your culture in order yeah. to become an American. <clears throat> wow. Right? And there are two differences there, right? Now, yeah. if you look at me and say, yeah, he's an American. Cool. Dope. That's one thing. Versus me saying, yeah, I'm going to give up who I am, where I came from, my cultures, yeah. to become american yeah i have a right to my culture and i quite frankly i love black culture it's like bruh, it's cool being black I'm not <laughs> until you get pulled over then it's not cool at all um that got serious really fast don't laugh at that <laughs> it's a tragedy
0: uh, no i'm sorry um, i was laughing at how you said it because you were you were giggling the whole time <laughs> i i say you have to laugh to keep from crying sometimes yeah, yeah. um
1: but on that other hand, when are we going to get to a point in this country where you see everyone as an American? Yeah. Regardless of their race, their origin, their sexual identity, whatever. Mm. And you say, they are an American first because I see them as American. You've put that on them. Yeah. They then, from an internal point of view, can say, yes, I am black. Yes, I am straight. Yes, I am whatever. Right. And those are two different coins of the racial divide that we oftentimes go on without talking
0: about. Dude, that's that's really interesting. Um, I think there's two points there I would like to hit. Um, One is what does make up an American? Right. Because in order to sufficiently answer your question, you're presupposing that we know what an American is in order for me to see you as an American. And I'd love to talk about that. Um. Number two is, I think the point Nick wanted to jump in, and Nick, I'd love to just open up the floor to you, buddy. Um, do, do you define yourself, or are you defined? How, Dude, how the heck are we supposed to define ourselves in this crazy world?
2: Yeah, I think that's honestly, I, I for me, that's the fundamental question that came to my mind uh, when we started, before we even started talking about race uh, in general, was how do you define yourself? Um, and what I've noticed kind of going through how I define myself is I typically put that same definition of myself onto other people. Hmm. And in order for me to feel accepted, um, even within my own family, I mean, I'm accepted within my family because I bear their family name We're, we have a defined characteristic, which is the same name. It brings us together. Um, And so even in my own family, I find that we come together easily because we accept that common denominator. But Hmm. I also, but I also within my family, um, I am, you know, defined partially by my career and by my experiences, how that adds value to my family is the discussion for another time, um, or detracts value, hopefully adds value. I I really (laughs) try hard to do that. (laughs) But, um. What I've noticed is that the way I define myself largely is the way that I expect them to define me as well, and I, and I hmm. don't think that that's any different in this discussion on race. Um, I've heard people say, I am a Christian white man. Um, well, that's that's part of your identity, and, and in order, if you view yourself that way, or as a Christian white man or a Christian black man, then if that's really integral to how you view yourself, then it makes sense to me that in order to be accepted and unified with other people, they would also have to accept that value, that piece of your identity. Hmm. Um, And so that's one way in which we ourselves, I think, Ben, to answer your question, I think it's both. I think that we develop an identity of ourselves and then to have unity, we also interpose that um, huh. or in, yeah. almost impose that sometimes in a negative sense, but it, it's not purely negative, um, on other people to accept us just as we are. And the question in our mind is, huh. will they accept us just as we are with the identity piece that we put forward?
0: Yeah, I absolutely see what you mean. And that's so, something that's been, oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh no. So I think that that question that Charles asked is, is a, just a phenomenal place to start.
0: Yeah. And that's something what that's do you have to say? been in. Charles, you're making that I'm face. Sorry. What's up? I want to hear what you have to say.
1: And that reminds me of an, actually, an interesting point of the N word, but we can hold that later. Um, oh, okay.
0: Ben, I no, want to hear. No, you're not going to say me. it on air, Charles. Wait, I, <laughs> I won't. Or off air. But ben, I
1: want to hear. In, in terms I of I want Nick hear and your I. Thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Please don't say that to each other.
0: <laughs> you're um, uncomfortable. No, but yeah, Nick, I think Nick touches on a really interesting Uh, piece of this that's actually been in the news a lot of how should other people relate to your identity right like i i'm starting to think of we're starting to see legislation in the terms of bill c16 in in canada which what legislated the use of preferred pronouns so basically if let's say i want to be called a she um and and i tell you that then it is now your legal obligation to use that verbiage to refer to me. Right? So we're now in the place where we are taking things of identity and compelling people to use them. And that's a big piece of this. So Charles, I'd, I'd love to send this one over to you, man. I love what you said about if the first thing someone thinks about you is your race, then there's something off there, right? That that's probably not the best thing. Um, So what role should maybe that would help kind of on the cultural level because I think we're we've got the negatives down. It's like okay, Richard Spencer, evil. Anyone saying that one race is bad, evil. Like these people, like like that's that's simple, right? Anyone saying openly prejudiced things against a race, bad. However, now what? Right. So, Charles, what would you want that guy in that meeting that you were talking about? How would let's I'm let's say he was a white guy. How would you like him to have talked about your race or thought about your race? That's a good question. All right. So what I'm hearing
1: and correct me if I'm kind of missing your point here, but is how do you address a person
0: but not necessarily address them by their attributes? That's really close to what I'm getting at. So the, in the story you told, you, you kind of mentioned how he said that he identified you by your race. And that, that wasn't the best thing. Like, if the first thing you think about me is that I'm a black American, that's not a good thing. Is, is what I took away from your story.
1: Um, that's a part of it, for sure. Okay. I think
0: part of... So what I was driving at to... there is, if he shouldn't think, if the first thought isn't, he's a black American... What should the first thought be? And then what role should race play in that interaction? Hmm. That's a good question. My first initial
1: impulse to that is when you see a person, regardless of what they are, who they, what they do, what they think. Right. I think the first thing you should say is this is a person, right? And that seems very simple. At his court, because ultimately it is, right? Um the way I see it is ultimately I I think the best man that ever lived, right, died for everybody the same. So there's not any by that I mean Jesus. But like Come on. But <laughs> oh I don't if he and he's God, right, and he's he was the dude, like the <laughs> goat even if you took away the like miracles and the titles and everything like that, and you looked at his life objectively, Mm. the dude was just a great person. He was a phenomenal leader. He was a good friend. Mm. He was a loving and faithful person. um, Who also was God. And that's important. (laughs) But you know, if he was the type of person that I would want to be like, I'd have to ask myself, how would he have treated this person? Hmm, right. Absolutely. And there, there's a, a story in the Bible, and it's one of those old Bible stories that everybody learns in Sunday school about the good Samaritan, right? And essentially what happens in the story is there's this dude who essentially gets mugged and all of these people come by and the Samaritan comes along. He's like, hey, bro, you look bad. Let me help <laughs> you out. And takes him to an inn and he pays for his <laughs> stuff so he gets taken care of. The problem that is oftentimes overlooked is Samaritans in that day were not like not categorized as good people. Yep. Like those were the people, if you see a Samaritan walking up the road, you cross the street and continue walking. If you're I Jewish, there,
2: if you're Jewish at that point,
1: I, exactly. There was yeah. and, and and we kind of downplay how important that difference is between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people.
0: Um, Yeah. And And if that's the case, just to hold on to that thought and keep going, but just want to give some background. Um, I actually have had the privilege of preaching on John four, three separate times, which I did not plan any, any time. Um, But I, I did some background research at that time about the Samaritans. The Samaritans were actually cross between Jews and Philistines. And if you know much about the Bible, you know, Philistines basically equals bad guy. So at some point, some Jews and some Philistines hooked up, did what mamas and daddies do, and popped out some little babies. And both sides were like, mm, I don't know about these people. And they called those Samaritans. So that's why, and, and the reason I bring up John 4 is the woman at the well was also a Samaritan woman. So mm-hmm. you see this overwhelmingly anti, <laughs> anti-racist has now become its own political like term now. But right. the Bible actively breaks down racial barriers. I think I can say without accidentally stumbling onto any political platform, right? It Jesus actually reached out to the Samaritan woman and and made a relationship with her and he he tells the parable of the Samaritan and said, "Hey man, you help your friend, like you help anyone." Like we don't care about this. The gospel got brought to non-Jewish people to indicate, "Hey, one race isn't special." So anyway, just some background on Samaritans, but I love where you're driving and keep keep going there, bro. I think but you hit the point
1: right on the head, right? And if that's the case, and it's odd to say that because honestly the church has been a culprit of racial things since the inception of the country. Yeah. Not in a way of saying, "Hey, you know, Jesus Samaritan, they made friends, you know what I'm saying?" Yeah. Or Moses and his wife who was very black, which is great by the way. Black is beautiful. But um <laughs> and how when Moses' other wife looked at her. I think it was, it was Moses' sister, looked at the black woman, and chastised Moses for it. She was struck with leprosy. Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, and absolutely. How,
1: and in the same way, the the gospel was to go to the Jews and the Gentiles. Right now, there there's the Bible is filled with people crossing that racial boundary over yeah. and over and over again, right? Because we believe in a God that. Uh, and everybody's favorite childhood verse: "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." And if that's the case, then I can't look upon anybody and be like, mm, "You look like you put raisins in your potato salad." I don't think Jesus loves you. <laughs> that doesn't make that doesn't jive with the truth of the gospel. Absolutely, it man. doesn't. So, but we've done a terrible job of reinforcing the idea that because someone is from a certain place or lives a certain way or looks a certain way, then God's blessing is not upon them. And that's just a lie. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we should, sorry. Oh, go ahead.
1: To answer your question, you treat them as someone who is able and deserving of at least respect. And then if you really call yourself a Christian, you should treat them with love. Now, what love actually means—that's a different podcast. But we'll start there.
0: And Charles, just curious: Would you fall on the collectivist or the individualist side when when you say you treat them with love? Do you treat them equally to everyone else, or should you treat different races differently based on the color of their skin? I think that's an obvious question. That is a very—I do. Tr- I tried to—I tried to state it as impartially as I could, but I don't think I did a great job for the collectivist. No, you
1: did. You did fine. Um, I think. I am the belie- of the belief. Yeah, I am of the belief that if there is any race, it's the human race.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: So, and that yeah, might and- some people will say that's a little bit left leaning, but it's the truth. We're we're more alike than we are different. Amen know? to I that. I might not man. get as I might yeah. not get as burnt as you. I might not be as short as Nick, but it's the truth of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... That just went over my head. I caught it at the last second. But literally. Um, I'm done. Yeah, literally. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanna I, I kind of just want to interject here. And I, I wanna say that, Charles, I, I agree with you, like wholeheartedly, 100 percent Um, at least with that statement. <laughs> um The beautiful thing about it though is that we can agree on this because we have the same value system. Yep. If we look at the history of the world at large we'll see that People find all sorts of reasons to be divided. I mean, they have u- we have used uh, race. We have used sex. We have used uh, social status. The amount of money you have, sick or healthy, was a big one in the Jewish culture, um, at least in the hmm. Hebrew culture, in the times Jesus was around, or Jesus was here on the earth um, in his own body. More to come on that topic. But... <laughs> The point the point I'm making is that the world has a value system that is held pretty, stably throughout or consistently throughout history, um, and that is to judge people based off of something. In order to really have the unity and at least view people as one, you have to have a different value system. Yeah, um, and that kind of that is what builds the fundamental. Um, ideas behind your, you being able to say, I see everyone as a single human race. But if somebody doesn't have that value system, they're not going to be able to come to the same conclusion. And Nick, conclusion
0: you on, oh, Skype just froze up for a second. Okay, you're back. And Nick, on that note, is that the same as being colorblind? As in, like, you don't see... Uh-oh, we're losing Nick a little bit. Sorry, guys. Having a little bit of um, connectivity issues. Nick, you with oh, us? Oh, no, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Um, is, is what you said the same as someone who says, uh, I don't see race.
2: Right. That's a great question. Um, I don't think so. I think saying I don't see race is choosing to be ignorant of a facet yeah. of someone's identity. That's actually I fully there. Agree with this. Uh, so I, I don't think that you can you can truly embrace somebody and say, I I don't see race at all. Uh, I think, it's almost like, trying to think of an analogy here, like, if you, I don't know, if you saw a diamond and it has imperfections in it, um, you look at this diamond, but your vision is so poor or you don't have a magnifying glass and you can't see the imperfections and you say, I have a diamond and you're so happy to have this diamond. But then one day somebody shows you, they give you a magnifying glass and you start to be able to see some of the imperfections in this thing. Does your perspective of the diamond change? I think that that might be a weak analogy, but I think that's uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at is being able to embrace somebody, you do see the differences, but you have a value system that might maybe value something more. What, what do you think? I fully agree with what you just said, man. Um,
0: I do think that we need to kind of like I said at the beginning of the podcast, right? Like, believe it or not, I know Charles is black and I know you're white, Nick. And I know I'm white because I sunburn. If I like hear someone talk about the sun too loudly, <laughs> like I know that these, th- <laughs> you, I know that burn these too? things exist. Right. And to some degree, we should let that factor into how we think about each other. Right. Because, if there is a national conversation going on about Black people's interaction with the police, I'm not going to call Nick and say, "Have you experienced racial bias from the police?" But I might call Charles and be like, "Hey, man, what are your perspectives on this? I value your input, like, cause I know I know what your race is." And and back to the Bible, Revelation 19 has this really cool pass, or not 19, excuse me, I think it's I think it's closer to the beginning of Revelation. Um, in Revelation, it says. Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people are going to be represented in heaven. And I just love that because it's such a picture of, hey, God knows what race you are too. Like, it's not surprising him and it's not upsetting him because just like Charles said, man, John 3, 16, he, he loves everyone and he saves every And anyone who believes on his name is going to be saved. So, Charles?
1: Oh, I got some stuff to say. <laughs>
0: First off, going
1: back to Nick's former point, maybe like three or four points ago, where he talks about how in a lot of parts of the world, there have been stable societies that have really been homogeneous. Um, and that is almost natural for people to divide each other into groups. That is true. That, that is absolutely true. And there are parts of the world where people will divide themselves a lot more quickly than they do here in America, right? For example, and this may be a sensitive topic still, but like the Hutus and the Tutsis, right? Yeah. Which were two tribes in Africa, and they were, one was a lot more light-skinned than the other. And when they were grouped together, they fought in Rwanda, and that was a whole genocide, right? Um, And sometimes they just do better separate. That is true, and that is natural. But just because something is natural does not mean that it's good. Also doesn't mean that it is by any way, morally justifiable, which again will probably be another detail or another video we get into when we talk about morality versus ne- like natural neutrality. Um, yeah. But it doesn't justify things, particularly in America, as we are known to be the one who said, Hey, the great American melting pot, send me your wounded, send me your people from all over the world so we can be together. Right. And it, it becomes very interesting that America is so quick to say, yes, we believe in these Judeo Christian topics. Yet, on the other hand, oftentimes live by the exact opposite. Hmm. Um, and then call it good in the same breath.
2: Right. No. Yeah.
1: Um, so that's odd. And as far as really what I also kind of heard was like cultures, right? What if you, people say this, Oh, I don't see color. If You don't see color. Please tell me what do you do at a stoplight? (laughs) And I don't want you to not see my blackness. Yeah, I don't. I don't want you to. I what I don't want you to do is to um, assign a value to it. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. It's, It's like this, right? I think the analogy I would use is like, you know, seasonings some people like cayenne pepper some people like cumin there are some dishes where cumin goes excellently there are some dishes where cayenne pepper goes excellently and there are some where it goes together right and then that same way it's right you have your culture and that applies to your family your life your society and that's awesome that's not a bad thing i have mine and i do that you know with my family and my life and in our spheres and that's fine But it doesn't necessarily mean that one is of less value than the other. In some cases, you might really just want to be, you know, holding to a traditional, you know, American white family tradition. And that's not wrong. There's nothing Hmm. wrong with sticking to your traditions. There's nothing wrong with sticking to your cultures. It's the point it crosses over. And this may be a little bit of a nuance where you say, my culture is good and yours is wrong. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a very different That's thing.
0: interesting, man. I've never... I, I think if... Hmm, how should I say this? That's an interesting take. I've never heard it put quite like that. Um, I'd say my gut reaction, if I were to say I want to like stay within the white tradition of my ancestors, that definitely rubs me the wrong way. You know what I mean? Why is that? I'm sorry, what was that? Say but? more about that. Say more about that. Yeah, that kind of feels like I am pre-selecting a mate based on her whiteness. And I would much rather pick a mate based off of her character. And I'm not Ooh, saying that we... character can't factor into what you were saying, but I almost don't want race to factor into it at all.
1: Let, let me roll that back a little bit. Please um, do. Because you're about to open up a very big topic Which, when it comes to interracial relationships, that's a huge thing to talk about. To be perfectly clear, if you went home for Christmas, and you did a traditional white Christmas thing, which I I don't know, because I'm not your family. um, Everyone wears matching
0: onesies, and we sing Kumbaya. Okay, (laughs) only half Half of that is true. It's up to the audience to figure out which half. (laughs) I didn't know. Oh, God.
2: Anyway. (laughs)
1: um i don't i don't what i'm you. saying
2: that's all true but
1: <laughs> it might all be true as long as you have the christmas cd by the osmonds anyway <laughs> um what i'm saying is you have that culture oh. and that's a good thing hmm. that's good that you have your culture i'm what i'm saying is i as a black person cannot say that white culture or latino culture or asian culture Is of any less value than black culture? Yeah, I may prefer black culture because I grew up in black culture, but I can't say that that is any less
0: value. I think that's absolutely right.
1: Right. Um, as far as race relation goes, um, I think that's kind of a personal preference. hmm. You know? Yeah, I can't justify. You know, I would I would love to have someone according to their character at all. If things keep going the way they're going, I'm gonna be happy to have anyone. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, very much. Charles is like
0: 225 pounds of solid muscle for any ladies out there.
1: I am 189 pounds. He's got an impeccable jawline. Two percent body (laughs) fat. Um, but honestly, when personally, when I look at someone. I've always looked at them to find out where they line up with the Bible and how loving they are. Right. Because I would rather have someone who is a race other than black, who deeply knows the love of Christ and emulates mm. that mm. than have someone who understands my culture, yeah. but they are, you know, very much selfish or high maintenance or just that, that, you know, Karen, her. Yeah. Um, But not an actual person named Karen, like a Karen, if you track what I'm saying. Um, But, (laughs) I'll be totally honest, I like the idea of being with a black woman. Okay. I like that idea a lot. Because that lays the framework of the relationship as being something that is set in shared experiences.
0: Okay, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. I I think you you just touched on another really, really big topic is culture and the value of culture and the equality of culture. I actually take a little bit of a different stance on this man. Um, So my dad was in the military. So I grew up a military brat and I, you know, this, I moved all over the world. And during some of the travels, man, I saw cultures that honestly, I have no problem saying had really awful parts. Um, I don't want to call out any culture other than my own. Um, so I'll just take American culture back when it was part of American culture to own slaves back when it was part of American culture, that Jim Crow was a thing. I I have no problem saying that American culture had absolute negative things. And no, I'm not one of those people who thinks America was uniquely evil and we're the only people to ever have slaves or anything like that. Um, but I do think it's evil. And if that's part of any culture, I think we need to i think there's a multiculturalism effort that has swept over the world and part a piece of that effort and i'm no expert in the movement but a piece of it says that all cultures are equally valid and good and i think that that's very very dangerous because some cultures castrate women some cultures think that certain races of people are less valuable some people think that women shouldn't go to college And that's baked into culture. And I think that culture is a wonderful and important thing. But I also think we need to be able to say, hey, this is a good culture. And here is where the culture goes wrong. You have to be able to call balls and strikes. Because if we couldn't call balls and strikes, we would have never ended slavery. And thank God we did. That's a very
1: good point. Um, I think there's something to be said about that, right? And I'm not sure if that is... Where and this might be splitting hairs, and I really do appreciate what you just said, that actually holds a lot of weight. Um, but where does then morality tie into your culture? Where does the culture different from the society or the laws? This is a great point, right? Because slavery was legal, but slavery was also like wrong. Yep, Yep, and does the American culture that we have today honestly even resemble that of what we had? pre-civil war you know and there's something to be said about where the culture is and how we identify with the culture
0: yeah you know and that's nick i i kind of want you to take it away here because i know that you have a million thoughts on this because i think we've come to the natural part of the conversation that ties identity and culture in with the gospel so nick how does the gospel affect this conversation? How much of our identity needs to spring from our culture and how much should spring from, I, maybe I'll just say religious affiliation and you can, you can take this wherever you want, bud.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, I think, I think the, a starting point would be to look at the life of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was Jewish. You can argue that until he comes back. But the, the fact of the matter is he was born Jewish. Um, he grew up in Jewish culture, but there was an aspect of his culture while, I mean, I'm not told that he was like, you know, completely different and just the odd one out of his culture. It seemed like from reading the scriptures that he followed a lot of the traditions of the culture of the time. Um, he went through that stuff with them. He grew up with the Jewish people. Uh, but when it came to the subtleties that really weren't subtleties, they're, they're actually like huge, um, was like his viewpoint on people. I mean, the Jewish people were expecting him to overthrow the Romans, largely overthrow the Romans and establish his kingdom. And then everybody would live under the reign of a Supreme Jewish leader. And and I might be, you know, I, I might be embellishing a little bit here. I, I'm not exactly sure what they thought, um, to a T, but that's they were looking for an earthly kingdom nonetheless, right? Um, he operated from a different kingdom perspective, and he tried to make it clear to his disciples many, many times, like, my kingdom's not here. If my kingdom were of this earth, then you all would fight against each other. Yeah. And that's exactly what we see happening. Um, so <laughs> even though he was Jewish and he bore the identity of a Jewish man, he still was God and he understood that there was a bigger culture. Let's call it a big C that was more important than the individual little C Jewish culture. And I think that brings up a really, I think this opens a huge can of worms with the identity piece that you're talking about. Um, But the biggest thing I think it's important to note is that the gospel comes into our little C culture and makes us part of a big C culture. Yeah. And, if we still operate from the little c culture values, then we won't let God's big culture values dominate our lives, and we're not going to be able to come together on those terms because yeah. every little culture has its subtleties and its differences, which we consider to be very important to us. They're, the, I mean, I always say subtleties and differences, but they're not subtle. I mean, I eat different food than somebody who grew up in India, and honestly, like a lot of Indian food – bothers my stomach. That's not subtle. You know what I mean? So uh,
0: I've heard you um, after Indian food and nothing about that is subtle.
2: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So, but I could come together with somebody of an Indian culture of the Indian culture who is a believer and we can be united on things that are important to us. So I think that culture is an important discussion, but um, I hope that answered the question. I think that there's just an overarching culture that we yeah, recognize man. that we're part of once we're once we're believers.
0: And I think you lead into this is something, and we're coming up on our time limit, guys. So let's we'll, let's start wrapping it up. But guys, we've talked about this a million times. We are more family because of our identity that is based in Jesus than any other tie. Nick and I are no more brothers than Charles and I because all of us. Are followers of Jesus and guys if if you're listening that is the most important thing that I I think this is the entire reason we wanted to have this conversation because there are little c culture I love the way you said that Nick there are little c culture things that do matter right like Charles was saying his cult hit the the black culture to you matters right um And that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. But we need to realize that we are followers of Jesus first because there is someone out there who is big enough and strong enough who literally made us and who formed us, and we have entered into a family. And, guys, we don't—guys, we're young and dumb. We don't know how to fix this freaking culture, man. We don't know how to solve the problem, but we know someone who does. And that might sound like a cop-out, but there's nothing simple about it. Jesus says he's going to come down— and completely change your identity from here on out to the point where I now have more in common with fellow believers like you two than I do with my biological family, because my identity is no longer in my last name. Now my identity is in Jesus, right? My identity is rooted in the kingdom of heaven. My identity isn't rooted in how much sunblock I have to apply or how well my stomach can handle Indian food. Like that isn't, (laughs) that isn't my identity. I am so much more than a white person, but I'm not less. Charles is so much more than a black person, but he's not less. God doesn't come down and take away pieces of you. He comes down and adds. He says, you are more than you ever thought. Mm -hmm. And that is the message we want to push out. If we're trying to push out any message, I know we didn't get onto politics. We didn't really talk about Black Lives Matter. We didn't talk about what happened to George Floyd. Um, But that's, that's the big message I think we should take away from this
2: yeah Uh, and i just want to add to that i just want to add to that one thing really quick is that when we when we do become believers we actually the bible says that we have access we actually have been given now the mind of christ and a new heart so that he actually literally he changes our values uh he changes the way that we think and that's how we can come together
1: amen man ben i don't (sighs) You got me. You got me goose bumped up, man. You do. <laughs> yeah. And I think you hit it right on the head. Nick, I don't think there's... I've heard a better description of big C culture versus little C culture. Same. But I think you hit it right on the head. It's like, yes, I will always be a black man. And the culture of the Christ can always make you more, but it can never make you less. That... Yeah. Somebody write that down. That is good stuff. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because that ultimately defines us. Right. And even going from the external to the internal, the way we really began this discussion, right. God saw all of us with love, hmm. giving us our extra, our external view of ourselves. Right. Cause he loved us first. Yeah. Even though we didn't deserve it, which is kind of the wonder of the gospel that though we were still lost in our sins, and our ways of life he stepped in and showed his love to us by sacrificing himself and as i've said in i think almost all of my videos there's no love greater than this who would lay down his life for all, his friends right and yeah. that his love is what defines us above all else now we have a choice then and that's really taking up the choice of the the burden of christianity is now do we live that love hmm. and then, the question I would leave almost everybody with is when I say that I'm a Christian, is that more important than being a black man? Hmm. Or do I hold my blackness above my Christianity? And I would hold that, that to anybody and that can go in any sphere. Um, that's something to definitely think about. And that's something that I've unfortunately been forced to wrestle with for some time now Hmm. is, am I really a black man or am I a Christian? And the correct answer is both. But there will be times where that
0: is tried. Yeah. And it will be tried for all of us. Well, man, that, that was awesome, Charles. Thank, and Nick. Goodness gracious. this Seriously, this is, for anyone listening, this is our first take of a group conversation. Uh, we are so honored if you have made it, I I got 52 minutes on the clock right now. We are so honored if you are still listening. We really hope you noticed we don't agree on everything and guess what? Hey guys, I love you both and I'm pretty sure they love me too. We'll see after we hang up, but (laughs) (laughs) we are the reclaiming reality podcast. Three buddies looking for some truth in a backwards world from a Christian perspective We are so honored you're still listening. Feel free to reach out to us. We're getting on social media as we speak. We have an email that is reclaimingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. No capitals, no numbers, no spaces, just like it sounds. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Ben. That's Charles and Nick. We'll see you next time.